Good morning. We'd like to wel- like, excuse me. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together.
Father, thank you that we're gathered together in your name. Your presence is here. Help us to worship you in spirit and truth and to enjoy fellowship with one another. Thank you for this Lord's Day. May it be all to your glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Greet one another. Say hello. Give peace. today, welcome back to college students and academy students and any other stray, well, I won't say dogs and cats, but uh, others who are here. <laughs> You've had substitute teachers. I'm a substitute pastor today. I want to keep Pastor Wes in prayer. Uh, he's recovering after several weeks of fighting kidney stones, and he had a procedure this week, and just pray for his continued recovery. He's on the mend. A couple of announcements in your bulletins are the announcements about Today being the first day of Sunday school, all different levels of Sunday school from A to Z are starting today, but I've put in there the adult classes. Maybe you're new to our church or fairly new and you've never gone to an adult class. Be sure to ask any of us where they are. There's some great uh, choices. And then we're also starting small groups this week. Maybe some will be starting full-fledged and others kind of just getting in gear, but uh, this is the week we start those. Um, Don't want to do a lot of announcements today, but uh, one other thing was just, you're a group that needs to know this. On February 1st, the family event night is not just for children. It's the kickoff to our missions convention month. And so it's for all ages, adults. You may be a 98-year-old single adult, you should come. Or you may be a four-year-old child, you should come. In groups, we're going to be going to seven different rooms of activities and Presentation. So just keep February 1st, 6.15 on your calendars and don't say, well, that's just for the kids. All right? Let's continue to worship the Lord together. I'd like to invite the ushers forward as we give back to God from all that he has given to each of us. Oh 
Join me at the altar. You're welcome to come. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, as we've already said, we thank you that Jesus is in our presence today. Make us ever more aware of your work in the world and in our own lives. We thank you so much for Jesus, for inviting us to taste and experience God's love and forgiveness through your selfless sacrifice on the cross. We lift you up and we glorify you, risen and coming King. You also invited us to bring our concerns to you, and and there are many. Lord, we pray for those serving in your name around the world. Especially today, we think of our own Diane Emmons in Uganda and traveling to Kenya, doing mission work with young people. We pray for Calvin and Paulette Shear and the team from the Haiti Dental Group, Medical Dental Group, uh, that have gone for so many years to Haiti, and they're now in the part of the country that's been devastated by hurricanes. So we just pray that you give them safety, protection, and, and minister through them to those dear people. Lord, we pray for thousands of fellow believers whose lives or loved ones are threatened by violence and persecution. It's hard to even fathom the numbers. We pray that you'd reward their courage amidst the suffering with your very dear presence and your comfort. Lord, another group who need your protection are those whose lives are threatened or impacted by the whims of society or accident or illness, and so we pray that you would bless all the activities and thoughts and prayers of this Sanctity of Human Life Sunday. Lord, we pray for our nation in this time of transition. You ask us to pray for leaders and those in authority. Our prayer is, first of all, that your kingdom come and your will be done in the earth. In the midst of this political change and global upheaval, Break in on the hearts and minds of all leaders around the world. 
Open the ears and guide our and hearts of our new administration and other elected officials in these critical days. Lord, we pray for healing in our nation with the great divisions that we sense. Closer to home, Lord, we pray for those who are grieving, those who've recently lost loved ones. Pray for the many sick or recovering amongst us, including Pastor West today. You know them each by name, and we bring them to you one by one. We also pray, Lord, for our church as we begin full-fledged back to ministries for adults and children and youth. We just pray that you would bless each activity for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. And we pray for churches in our Area, We think of the Presbyterian Church in Wellsville and Pastor Tom Christofferson. Lord, bless each church up and down Route 19 and into the hills and valleys as they open the word today. May the Holy Spirit be present. And throughout the week, may we be salt and light in this area. Lord, we draw near to you today and pray that all that is said and done will be for your glory. We pray this in the blessed name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Luke chapter 22. I would invite you to stand as we read from the Gospels. Luke chapter 22, verses 7 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. Then came the day of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? they asked. He replied, As you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters, and say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs. All furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it again. I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, Children may be dismissed for Children's Church. Blessed assurance, Jesus is Show.
Well, whatever our endeavor, one has to begin at the beginning or with the basics. I'm looking for him, but about 20 years ago, a doctor named Jeff threatened me or invited me, I guess you could say, to join the fire department. And what was next was a 42-hour course called Basic Firefighter. Now it's Firefighter 1 or something more complicated. Uh, This is going to be a 42-hour sermon today. Oh, no, no, no. So whenever you have guitar lessons or piano lessons, drummer lessons, skiing lessons, you know, you usually have to start at the the beginning, at the basics. And uh, that's even the case in college, I guess, or high school. You you have an introductory course, maybe writing 101, because you don't know how to write. We always have to begin with the basics. So today I'm going to talk about Communion 101. It's very simple, quite brief. There is nothing more Christian than what we are about to do during this hour. Walk forward and partake of the bread and the juice symbols of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the most simple and yet most profound act of faith and obedience that says, we believe in. We depend on, we are grateful for Jesus Christ, and we believe in, and we depend on, and we are grateful for the others who join us in believing in Jesus Christ. The basic fact is this, remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking to Jesus' past in faith, living with Jesus at the present in obedience, and longing for the future with Jesus in hope. I'm going to be showing you a few pictures of art today that are, were collected by my daughter as she was a graduate assistant, research assistant for Dr. Scott Moreau at Wheaton Grad School many years ago. This is a Navajo uh, Indian uh, Native American artist's rendition of Jesus giving the bread, and the wine to his disciples. Let me repeat this. Remembering Jesus at the communion table is looking to Jesus' past in faith, living with Jesus at the present in obedience, and longing for Jesus into the future in hope. There's only one point to this message. Communion is about Jesus. Today, according to reliable statistics from the World Christian Database in Massachusetts at the Center for Global Christianity, friends of ours, those of us participating today here in North America represent only about 10% of our Christian family, which is 2.5 billion, give or take. African and Latin American Christians represent half or 50% of our family. Europe, including the Russian world, would be about 16%, and Asia, about 23% of our Christian family. Just want to think about that. That's why I'm showing some of the pictures you'll be seeing. 
Yes, people participate in this meal instituted by Jesus in different ways, and some very elaborate and some extremely simple. I've taken communion with 18,000 people at the University of Illinois for Urbana Missionary Conferences, and I've taken communion with maybe a dozen on a Haitian mountainside in a little grass hut. And each time it has beautiful and wonderful meaning. We even do it in different ways right here in this church, sometimes with small cups passed around and sometimes up here by intinction. I've been handed all kinds of teacups and glasses, and we've used, of course, there's people who use expensive wines, and I've had a sparkly soda called Vimto in Sierra Leone. And some people, uh, of course, have had to use water. Even bread has to be substituted in some cultures and some places. So I'm sure many of you have experienced communion in a variety of ways, and maybe you can talk about that and share that with others today. And then, of course, I'm fully aware that there are deep theological debates about the nature and the practice of this symbolic meal. Some call it communion, which means very close to koinonia, or sharing together. The Eucharist, which means Thanksgiving meal. The Lord's Supper is what the Apostle Paul called it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a very important passage. And there are debates like transubstantiation and consubstantiation. Thank you, Michael. You can help explain that all in your class today. And I'm not downplaying that. It's important. But again, I'm doing basic 101. There's an important and rich history. But I'd like us to think about this fact that communion is all about Jesus. First of all, his past, the passage that we read just a few minutes ago. We look back at a meal instituted by Jesus himself and filled with meaning about his sacrificial death. It's recorded on all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Of course, John talks about the evening and the whole evening setting there in the upper room. It was practiced by the early church. We see it especially right away in Acts chapter 2 as the Thousands came to Christ, and they were breaking bread together. It's referred to, of course, many times by the Apostle Paul and explained. If someone doesn't actually believe in Jesus or accept that he died for them, this meal can't make much sense. We remember that Jesus was foreseen in the Jewish scriptures, the Old Testament story. He was there at the very beginning. Let us make man in our image. And then the Messiah was foreshadowed and predicted throughout various uh, prophets and throughout the Old Testament scripture. Especially love the prophet Isaiah, and you do too. In Isaiah 53, he says about the servant of God, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds we are healed. What precious words. So at the right time, that servant arrived. And after three years of compassionate and tender ministry, Jesus himself instituted this supper around the Jewish Passover meal that was introduced over a thousand years earlier when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. God made a promise, a covenant, that if they killed the special lamb and sprinkled its blood over the doors, he would spare the people from judgment. 
as a faithful Jew. Jesus celebrated this with his circle of disciples in Jerusalem, but at a very precious moment, just hours before his sudden death. He was showing his bewildered disciples that he had to die for the forgiveness of sins. In Matthew's version of this story, which we just read, he says, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Jesus very deliberately and symbolically transferred the meaning of his coming, upcoming sacrificial death on the cross as a covering an atonement for our sins. This was the blood of the new covenant. From that moment on, remembering his death in this way is, I could say, the central act of worship in the church. At the Lord's Supper, the communion table, we hear Jesus say, Do this in remembrance of me. There's a profound, life-giving, precious meaning to remembering Jesus' past and final work on the cross. So meditate for a few minutes on that as we look at a few depictions from global artists of that Last Supper. The first one by an artist from Sri Lanka. Another, an artist from Cameroon, where our two daughters are today and our grandchildren. I love that picture. From China. I'm not sure Jesus had tiled floors, but you see, each artist expresses it in their own, their own way. The Democratic Republic of Congo. Nicaragua. But celebrating the Lord's Supper in communion is also about Jesus in the present. He says, as oft as you do this, and the church has been doing this for several thousand years. Yes, communion demonstrates a lot about our present relationship with Jesus and the rest of his followers in this room and around the world. Jesus is here. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. To the church in Asia Minor, he said, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Not referring necessarily to the communion, but just this sense of God's presence, Jesus' presence. There's a Swiss theologian a lay Catholic theologian who said, first and foremost, the Lord's Supper is fellowship with Christ. We have to think about this in two ways, both individually and corporately. For us as individuals, it's fellowship with Jesus. He knows our hearts. Are you drawn to him today? Are you seeking to know him better and to be close to him? To have your sins forgiven or rejoice that they are forgiven. In a sense, communion is a time of confession and forgiveness. I may have told this before, but I was a preschooler. And a little boy here in Houghton. 
And at my mother's kitchen oven, the lid came down, and I knelt and prayed, Lord, wash my heart clean. Even a little child can understand that he wants to, or she wants to invite Jesus into their heart. So we in Houghton Church don't forbid children. Jesus said, don't forbid the children, let them come. They're coming to Jesus, after all. And there's a booklet in the back of the sanctuary, and many many of you have seen it, explaining the Lord's Supper to children. If you haven't had one of these, you can take one for your family. It's on the children's uh, place back there in the back of the church. Yes, children are welcome. All are welcome who want to come to Jesus. Christians have a unique relationship with Jesus. He's the bread of life, and he even said in John chapter 6, a very complicated passage, but you might want to study it today. Feed on me. Now, we're not cannibals. <laughs> we're not eating Jesus in a sense, but it's, it's a mystery, isn't it, that Paul says that we're in Christ and Christ is in us. He uses both metaphors or both phrases. John Wesley called this, and many believe that communion is a means of grace. What does that mean? There's something mysterious and holy, not magical, but spiritual about receiving these elements. So many times I've come to communion after a rough week, a few rounds of discussion about hot topics, maybe my own battles, and yet I come to this table for cleansing and a fresh start and new power to go on. And I am sustained by the grace of God. It's a mystery. Again, John Wesley said, do you use every opportunity to take the Lord's Supper? How often should we take it, we sometimes ask. He said, do it with solemn prayer before and earnest and deliberate devotion. Don't stay away from this table. If at all, you can come and receive the grace of Christ. And then I also want to talk a moment about corporate fellowship at this table. As I mentioned in Acts chapter 2, in Jerusalem, thousands broke bread together, variously in their homes. You can't imagine there was a cathedral right there for them to all go in together, so... They did it in smaller groups. Again, Hans Kung, the theologian, says, It is fellowship with Christ and so fellowship with other Christians. Our common union with Christ naturally leads to union, to a union of those who share the Lord's Supper among themselves. The one is not not possible without the other because they all partake of the same bread, the body of Christ. So we do it together. It's really not an individual thing, generally. And that is why we practice open communion. It's not about excluding or judging or about our denominational distinctives, our church, our differences. What did I say before? It's about Jesus. If we believe in and we love and we seek Jesus, we come. And it demonstrates unity in amongst our diversity. I love Ephesians chapter 2. You know, I was flipping coins, not really. I was praying, which passage to use? Because there were so many things I wanted to bring in from Scripture today. 
But that breaking down of the walls of barrier between the Jews and the Gentiles, that great Ephesian moment that Paul talks about. And if it was amazing then, and it was, the wall of partition between Jews and Gentiles, it's even more amazing today when you think of the diversity of our world. There's neither Jew or Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We are all one in Christ. There's not room at this table for mistrust, for bullying, for slander, for anger, for a party spirit, for nationality, for pride. (laughs) We leave all that behind. Or we go as soon as possible to make it right and reconcile with those who we may be struggling with. In the recent... uh, edition of Christianity Today, editor-in-chief Mark Galley did an editorial about the current divisions amongst us politically and how can we as Christians come together. He says, we can speak charitably to one another about our disagreements, taking the time to find out what each of us believes and why. We can stop saying implicitly and explicitly, I have no need of you. And we can continue to literally break bread with one another in our churches and in our homes, praying earnestly for one another, warmly calling each other brothers and sisters in Christ. This isn't easy, I don't think, especially today. So there is much to remember and to examine about Jesus and us in the present in this meal. But lastly, communion is about Jesus in the future. He came, he served, he died, he rose. We've been singing about it wonderfully. And he will return again triumphantly. I think I can be brief on this because just two weeks ago, before the benediction, (laughs) uh, we preached on this, the second coming, the return of Christ. So the Apostle Paul explains to the Corinthians about the Lord's Supper. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we do it until he comes. There's no stop on this. And we do it in anticipation of his coming. We come today in full hope and anticipation about the future because it's Jesus' future. To the disciples, as sad and confused as they were on that night when Jesus instituted this meal, Jesus was already looking beyond the next frightful hours to what those hours would accomplish. New Testament scholar R.T. France says, "What What was about to happen was not the end, but a new beginning. The kingdom of God was becoming a reality. The future was not a funeral. It was a feast. Indeed, one day we will celebrate the marriage feast of the Lamb, described in the last book of the Bible, and depicted here by a Brazilian artist. Can you see everything he's got in that picture? Yes, we're going to another feast, another meal with Jesus. And that's what we look forward to today as well. So at communion, we look ahead to the day when 
Every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Communion is wonderfully about our Lord Jesus' past and our present with him and our future. May God bless us. Let's pray. Jesus, we are full of thanksgiving as we gather today to partake of the meal you left for us, a meal that reminds us of your great love and sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins. We confess our need of you. We affirm our faith in you. We declare our love for one another because of you. We commit our lives and future to you. Bless these elements of bread and juice as they represent your body and your blood given for us. Be very present and real to each one and to us all as we celebrate the meal together. We pray this in your name. Amen. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread, gave thanks to the Father, and he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, gave thanks to the Father, and said, this is the cup cup the covenant of my new covenant this is the blood of my new covenant do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me so we're going to do our familiar receiving of communion today by intinction you will be released by the rose come down the center aisle and uh, take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup eat it and return to your seats by the outer aisle And you may kneel at the altar as long as you wish and uh, have a time here as well. For those who find it difficult to come forward, Pastor Cindy has a tray and cups in the back and you can just signal to the usher and uh, they'll serve you in your seat. We have here gluten-free wafers and cups for those who need it. Just indicate to me when you come forward. As it should be clear from my message, we do not limit communion to church members or to regular attenders only. We practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. If your heart is open to God, you are seeking to be near to Jesus, you desire to live and love him and live in love with others, humbly come, receive these gifts from our gracious and loving Heavenly Father. stripes we are here 
please stand as we sing. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all.
well. I trust you leave new, renewed, loved by Jesus. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, go with you. His name, amen. God bless. Thank you.